Hey everybody, welcome to Electric Liberty Land 198's pre-roll, where I want to remind you to check out our buddy Brad Tracy and his amazing blog, The Liberty Theorist. Now, it's on Medium, which means you have to use the weird medium, uh, medium.com slash at Liberty Theorist, and you're going to find yourself a fantastic amount of content from a Rothbardian libertarian covering everything from JFK through to the mocking from Mockingbird. <laughs> I like this one from Mockingbird to murder. How a doom love triangle might provide insight into JFK's murder. He really likes a lot of the JFK stuff. Also an article. I held Kennedy's brain. A lot of great stuff. So check this out. It's a fun read and one that I think you're going to go back again and again and again to. He's got a lot of content on here. So again, check that out. Medium.com forward slash at Liberty Theorist. Not only that, but Brad's also got a podcast, the Scarif Scuttlebutt, where he's talking Star Wars and all that jazz. So check him out. Check us out. And now here's the show. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. So ready to rock? Yep, let's do it. Uh, uh, remind me, are we doing video too or just audio? Um, typically, I'll just do audio. I mean, I... What I might do is just for our Patreon subscribers, sometimes I'll throw a video up for it, but okay. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> All right. Just, yeah. Just, uh, yeah, I've, I've had, so I, I, ha- I did like at least one where I forgot that they were doing video and I was just like, you know, looking around. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just so. Doing wank off motion. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Great question, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> See, it feels great. like I'm, not, I'm just yeah. going to go cold in. This is a great cold open. Just talking yeah. wank off motions into the show. <laughs> it's very much in line with my brand on here, here in electric Liberty land. So guys, this is Justin Tosi. He is with me. He is an assistant professor at Arizona State. And no. uh, nope, did I get that wrong? Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Oh, God. No, I'm sorry. I'm confusing where you went to school and met your co-author. Sorry, assistant professor at Texas Tech. My, my right. apologies. But you and, uh, you and Brandon Warmkey, your co-author on Grandstanding, The Use and Abuse of Moral Talk, had met. And um, this is the second time that Justin and I are talking because the first time I had an epic mic failure wherein the, it, my mic died, the gardener showed up, couldn't get it to work. I found out, by the way, it was a faulty cord. Mm. So fortunately, did not have to buy a new mic. But yes, welcome, welcome, Justin, to Electric Liberty Land. And thank you for coming back for the second time. Thanks for having me, Brian. Feels like we, we go way back, like we were in summer camp together, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. <laughs> so... Once again, uh, do me a favor, go through a little bit of, uh, of your background, you know, why you came to write this book, because I remember it was, a, it was a pretty interesting story. Uh, my favorite part, just to remind you, because I don't want to be left out, was that you were uh, complaining, really was the linchpin for the, the, the start of this. It was really the catalyst for this great work. 
That's right. I, so complaining is so underrated. I mean, complaining, it, it's funny, like, or at least it can be. And, and like, you learn things about people. I mean, anyway, I, so this, that's a whole other thing, but I, I think complaining <laughs> is great. So yeah. So Brand, I mean, Brandon and I met at, uh, the, it was actually at the university of Arizona, not Arizona. Oh, I was bitch. in Arizona state though at one point. So, so okay. that's okay. Um, but <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Brandon and I were, were grad students in philosophy at Arizona. Uh, you know, we would, we would go work out together and, uh, you know, we didn't know each other that well. So we just sort of complained about, about things. And one of the things that we settled on that was like fun to complain about, uh, was, um, people's behavior on, on then, I guess just Facebook mostly. Um, you know, so we would see just like somebody's mom or, you know, just some person we went to high school with or, or whatever, um, just go on these ridiculous like tirades and rants and about, about politics. And we would just sort of think like, what is this person doing? Like, why do they sound like a corporate press release or, or like a politician's like very formal, you know, media approved like publicity statement? Like, why are they talking like this? Who cares? And you know, what we came to think is they are using moral talk as just a, a device uh, to show other people like, you know, how good they are uh, and, you know, to get attention and, and praise for having the right views. Uh, and, you know, out of this, we, we constructed, um, you know, after, after reading a bunch of stuff in, in political science and, and uh, moral and social psychology, uh, we constructed this, this theory about grandstanding and, you know, what we found over, over the years and then uh, doing our own social science even about this, uh, is that this explains an awful lot of people's behavior uh, when when they talk about moral issues and especially about uh, when a lot of that talk gets really nasty. Yeah, well, we're seeing a lot of that play out. Clearly, election season, which is why it's perfect timing to have you on. I mean, I don't know if you saw any of the the Supreme Court hearings for uh, Amy Coney Barrett, but you know, it's I, I have not been watching because I view it as I, virtually a I don't know. It's going to be a fait accompli no matter what happens for for Trump if he wants to move forward with it, but. You are seeing like I just I was looking at Twitter right before waiting for you to come on and I saw, you know, Cory Booker's out there and Cory Booker had been a little bit of a grandstander. I think they all are. But I noticed he is uh, <laughs> he had his Spartacus moment. People were, were mocking. Yeah, the Spartacus moment got, you know, Spartacus. hilarious. But now he's up, you know, same thing. These these grandiose statements to show his his moral uh, leadership before you get into any actual questioning. Um, so we're seeing that really play out prominently, but I'll, I will circle back to that because I want to talk about election sure. season, but I want to lay down the framework and the foundations first for this book. So you came to this now is Brandon, uh, does he, does he uh, is, are operate in the same sphere as you currently? Are you still at the same school or do you leave him in the dust and then you're throwing him a bone? <laughs> well, Brandon was, was first actually to, to leave Arizona. So, uh, Brandon is at, uh, Bowling Green State University now. Uh, where he's he's an assistant professor of philosophy, uh, and I'm at uh, as as you said, uh, eventually Texas Tech. Yeah, eventually, you know, it, it takes you a little while to get around. I'm just going to yeah. name schools until eventually you were like, that's the one. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean, so we're, we're you know we're both uh, in in professional philosophy. I, that sounds weird to say for some reason, but it really does. It really but does. Yeah, yeah, that's what we do for a living. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So Brand is is more. You know, you mentioned these conferences confirmation things. So Brandon is way more into like what is going on in politics. I just don't mm. care. Uh, yeah. I, I'm completely uninterested. So I mean, like he's watching this stuff. And so I'm, I mean, 
I don't know if this is quite your reaction, but but my kind of feeling of this is like, why are you watching this? You, you're what you're <laughs> watching is like filming B roll for campaign ads for these senators. Oh, exactly. Like they well, they no one well, because no they, one cares what's going on. No, they, they never answered any of the questions. We've seen this yeah. with, you know, the, the hearings going on. We see it in the debates that are going on as well. And I did not watch the Harris-Biden debate or, or uh, Harris-Pence yeah. debate. I did watch the Trump one. You know, it's that, it's that car wreck. And granted, our listeners also, they won't watch it because they'll listen to our recap. So I have to right. watch it and right. watch it and all that kind of stuff. So I can't get escape that. But right. yeah, it, I mean, it is fascinating just how much of it, it's that stay on target, you know, you're, you're bombing the Death Star and there's only one way for these politicians to get their message heard and it's by shooting at that, that little hole and refuse to deviate from the target. Um, yeah. And you see that with this grandstanding. And so let's go through a little bit. You yeah. developed the field guide, as you called it in the book. And, you know, as I'm reading the book, you know, I'm just mentally making check marks because you're seeing this so often now. So if you want to run through, I know there's a lot of them, but maybe hit you know, the ones you want to hit as far as what are we looking for? You know, what did you break it yeah. down as categorically for the grandstanding that we're seeing so often? Sure. So uh, to just to, um, to give you like a general, like canonical statement of what grandstanding is, um, because I think it's a term that's misused a lot. Grandstanding on, on Brandon and my account is the use of moral talk for self-promotion. So it's not just like moral talk you don't like. It's not, yeah. you know, people um, just like, you know, uh, saying things that are wrong about morality. It's, it's, not, uh, it's, it's not people being hypocrites, although they can be uh, and still be grandstanding. You, also, you can also be sincere and be grandstanding. The core of the idea is just you say something about morality or some moral issue and you, you do it in order to make people think well of you, to get status, to get recognition. Okay, so what does this look like when people do it? So, so I want to stress, I'm not telling you every time someone does these kinds of things that they must be grandstanding. It's not that simple. Nine out of still, ten. <laughs> yeah, you still have to ask, you know, like what's actually motivating them, right? So if it's just that, you know, they happen to be engaging in certain patterns of behavior, you know, people might do that for lots of reasons. But nonetheless, what I'm going to tell you is if you set out in public discourse with this goal of seeking status, of making people think well of you, uh, or of people, you know, thinking of you as some kind of moral paragon or someone who should be deferred to. These are the kinds of things you'll do. Okay. So you'll, you'll seek out, um, Twitter pylons, things like this, or doesn't have to be on Twitter. It can be anywhere where there, you know, people basically, you know, uh, saying, yeah, yeah, I think that too. Or, you know, uh, repeating the same attack line with their own like little twist on it over and over again, or or you know, uh, repeat posting a, you know once again for the five thousandth time, um, you know, yeah, people I, in some network like the, some statement of of whatever. Uh, and the one I in the book you use the example. My favorite is I agree with everything that's been stated here, but I'd like to add. And you're like, yeah, yeah. What are you going <laughs> to add? You already agreed with everything they just said. Why are you bothering to add anything here? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's piling on related. So a, a kind of related thing people do is they'll do that. I agree you know, with what's been said, but I want to go further. And so what they do then is they uh, engage in a sort of moral arms race or what we call mm -hmm. ramping up. So they'll, they'll take what's already been said and they'll either say, well, yeah, that, I mean, but 
I actually feel more strongly about this. Like, you know, yeah. um, I, I, I think, you know, racism is not just bad as this person says, but abhorrent, you know, um, and, and so, and, and people are very busy in the thesaurus, the sources, uh, trying to find a word that can one up the other person. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. And like, so, you know, like you can, it's, it's not as if it's never appropriate to be more extreme than like the person who, who spoke before, or, or even, you know, maybe that person is just like, like a lightweight or, or whatever. But I mean, the point of, of, you know, this kind of behavior is you want to stand out, right? So this is ultimately like not a good way of, of arriving yeah. at, at, an, at a fitting or appropriate position. Uh, another thing that people do is they will, uh, they'll look for kind of exotic um, moral wrongs that they'll uh, do what we call trumping up. Uh, they'll trump up some moral charge, you know, so um, one example of this that is, is becoming, thankfully, I think people are finally getting sick of this, um, cultural appropriation. Um, so oh, yeah. someone will just random, you know, that's cultural appropriation, or, you know, and this is supposed to be embarrassing or something for the person who does it. And, you know, then, then people are like, what? I mean, so it's becoming passe in part because everyone knows what it is or is supposed to be more or less now. Right. Like part of the point of trumping up is that, like, you're basically showing people like, you know, look, I'm ahead of the curve here. Right. Like yeah. stuff that other people are, are overlooking. I noticed that stuff and is, it really bothers me. Which is kind of an interesting, it, what do you, it's kind of interesting, kind of risky in a way, but it, I guess it shows you just how desperate people are to get this kind of affection and adoration and notoriety that they'll do these things. But like, if you think, I mean, in the book, they use, use the example of the, the girl who went to prom, white girl, I believe she was white anyway, uh, went to prom in the traditional Chinese garb. Which some yeah. people would say, well, it's <laughs> the out traditional there. Chinese prom dress. <laughs> yeah, traditional prom. You know, those people <laughs> have proms for for hundreds and hundreds of years before yeah. us. <laughs> uh, once started in uh, in Xi'an, I believe. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's like you know the 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 risk involved when you think about it of yeah. saying like I'm going to attack this person. I'm going to attack this high school girl yeah. for wearing a Chinese dress. I'm going to destroy her prom. I'm going to try to ruin her life. Is it? It's yeah. at its core. I mean despicable you would argue but also just to think about you know the confidence you have to have that you are on the side of right and then to take that leap and have no doubts that it's going to come back on you and people are going to be like you are a horrible person you know please jump off a bridge right right i mean so so that was a i think it was an asian guy who did it uh, if I remember, but I'm, so, I mean, you see a lot in identity cases because it, then it's less likely to blow back on you. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, yeah, so the, the idea here is, is like, you know, you have special knowledge, like you're especially sensitive or maybe like, you know, I come from a group and like, like my group has special status to, you know, to notice this sort of thing. And like, like, it's not that that's not possible. Like, of course, you know, there may be um, moral charges like that, that, you know, some people notice more than others. But the point is, you can gain status by, mm. you know, showing people that you're especially sensitive in this way. Um, so you, you know, you show yourself, first of all, to like to be a victim, like you're aggrieved, yep. and pe you know, people are usually, um, you know, pretty sensitive about, about victims that, you know, want to be nice to them. Uh, and you also show yourself to be like, somehow like, especially morally knowledgeable, or something like that. Yeah, which is kind of interesting when you look at it, you know, as if a great a group would be especially uh, elevated as far as their morals or their values or their understanding of something enlightened, if you would, because of the color of their skin. 
maybe some people are like you're saying, maybe there's people that have been through it that are very well educated, but just to, to presume that somebody has somehow ha been bestowed a gift of great enlightenment because they are born a certain color is a little bit insane. And then also, um, you know, it's like the currency of victimhood is something I've thrown, I've heard thrown about in different, mm -hmm. you know, academia circles. And you do see a lot of that in, in this type of thing, you know, this grand study of the victimhood plays the first card and that does guarantee you a lot of status, I guess a lot of sympathy, but people want to now lead with their victim status as opposed to before where you'd kind of play down or that was your backstory, but you overcame it and it's fine and now you want to move on with your life. People don't, they don't want to move on anymore. Yeah, it's a, it's a very effective tool. So, I mean, it shields you from criticism and it, and it gives yeah. you a kind of like, <laughs> kind of, I mean, basically a weapon, to, you know, to, to wield against, against you. Like, how dare you, you know, come, come after me or, you know, like question or mm -hmm. disagree with me. Like I know because, you know, I have this, this special status. Um, so, you know, the, the point, the point of this is just to say um, that, you know, by saying I, I found some like uh, unusual or like, um, you know, le frequently uh, overlooked moral wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that I can get, get something for myself out of it. Um, let, let's do one more. Uh, so, so one other thing that, that I, uh, that's in our, our field guide of, of things that people do uh, is they'll engage in excessive emotional displays. Um, so, you know, again, you know, let me backpedal. Scre like, screaming at the sky and pussy hats, would that be considered? I mean, I know that's not yeah. tight, but is that like, a, you know, they're, they're all screeching at the sky? Remember that? That'll do. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. So there's this great video of, um, this, I don't think she has one of those hats. This it's actually predated that stuff a little bit. Um, is it Trump's inauguration? This is like my go-to example. Yeah. I don't like to, I don't like to accuse people of grandstanding. Um, I mean, for reasons we can find. <laughs> no, I just write books but about it. It's like, it's, I mean, what is this woman, so this, this woman is just like sitting on the ground at Trump's inauguration, like just shaking her head. No, no. Uh, and like, she, and at one point she like looks out of the corner of her eye, to like make sure she's on camera. Of course. <laughs> like she looks at the camera and then, <laughs> and then, you know, it's announced that, you know, Trump is, is the new president and she just lets out this blood curdling. <laughs> like, no, as if like, you know, she hasn't had, what would it have been like two months or something at that? Like, yeah, to really process the news. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> it's just now hit me or whatever. Like, I mean, I mean, whatever, like it's fine. You know, look, the point is not that it, that you shouldn't be upset about things that are bad. Right. Yeah. The point is that you can, again, gain status for yourself by being like the most upset person. Right. Um, and that's a case where I think quite plausibly, that's, that's what, that woman is aiming to do. Um, so, you know, there, there are all sorts of things that, that, I mean, we can talk about, about this later. Um, but you know, the, the, the thing to flag up front is like, this is not ideal to, <laughs> to have in, in public world discourse, people just like, like having the strongest emotional reaction they can whenever it's plausible to have it okay. um, just to stand out uh, as, as being like, especially morally sensitive. Um, yeah. because well, you know, the, these are supposed to be like signals that, that are meaningful to people like say, Oh, whoa. So something like especially bad is going on right now. Whereas instead all it means is like this person is just like, especially like craving attention. Right. Uh, and, and it seems like I'm seeing a lot of this too, is, you know, we're talking about all these, all these things kind of combined together, you know, trumping up and piling on. And then this, 
you know, it almost seems to me that the people that engage in the most moral talk, you know, that really go out of the way to be most involved in it and really put it out there. And like you said, tap into this emotional well of rage or whatever sadness. They are also the most likely to engage in the most immoral talk, you know, as far as, you know, like I'll, exa- I'll give an example. A recent example is, you know, Donald Trump gets COVID. And immediately you see the same people that are grandstanding about how they stand for the rights and justice and they want equality and healthcare is a right, immediately saying, I hope Trump dies. You know, so yeah. what I mean, do you have thoughts on that? Or, or do you think that people that are more likely to grandstand are equally on the flip side, the darker side of that coin, also more likely to, I guess, grandstand in the same way, but in the, you know, in a moral or um, I don't even know what you'd call it, a, a attack dog kind of fashion? Mm. Yeah, good question. So, I mean, the way I, I look at this in like the most general terms uh, is, look, there's a conflict between what's true uh, and, and maybe even what's morally appropriate mm. uh, and what's going to get you recognition and status within your group, right? So, um it shouldn't be surprising then that people who want to stand out, uh, who are trying to like seem like the most morally pure, um, will you know go right past the point where, where yeah. um, you know we're having appropriate moral reactions to like you know the things where it's just like this is the craziest thing I can say and still like ha- like no one's gonna outdo this. Yeah. But I will still get credit for it. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's and, like the uh, sorry. It, it, it's, it's it's like I mean, there's this old Louis C.K. bit that I like to talk about sometimes, where, where he says, uh, "You know, uh, the meal's not over when I'm full; it's over when I hate myself." Right. <laughs> so, so you know, the grandstanding is, is not done when we've reached the truth. It's over when you know the group is no longer going to be impressed if we go any further. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, even if you think like the group is basically right, like the incentive is not to be right. The incentive is to be the most extreme, like the, the most like, you know, to stand out. Ross Albrecht is serving two consecutive life sentences plus 40 years for creating a means for individuals to anonymously make online exchanges using Bitcoin. His actions did not create victims for nothing more than creating a marketplace the government locked him up and threw away the keys. Let's get Ross pardoned and get victimless crimes off of the books. That hashtag is the track, Ross hashtag Ross. free Ross, and you have got to check it out. You don't even have to listen to it consciously if you don't want. Keep it on repeat because it helps the algorithm and all the proceeds from this track, which talks about Ross Ulbricht, of course, is in prison. As you heard in the song in the intro to this, for consecutive life sentences, simply providing a platform where people can change goods and services voluntarily. Tyler Colford, one of our longtime supporters, a fantastic artist, as you have heard in this track, is trying to help out. He's trying to help out the uh, the Free Ross Project. He's trying to help out with Lynn Ulbricht, getting him out of jail, getting him another trial. So guys, very important that you support this track, that you support what Tyler's doing. And more than anything, you hashtag Free Ross. Where would you choose, huh? Where would you choose? Where would you choose? Band of the free or scapegoats and sheep. We spent fifty thousand year for each in the clinic. Yeah, the most out there. What I think you're seeing that obviously play out more and more when we got social media, which is so powerful. And you know, I 
I, I routinely call it a, a cancer upon humanity for the most part because it feels like people are getting more, I mean, just more crazy by the day. And, you know, they've, they've had studies where we're getting far more divide, you know, divided as nations in these political camps. And then, you know, and, and this is something you clearly talk about in the book. You know, you've got liberals and, and Republicans. And this is where I told you I was going to bring this up last time we spoke. But I do want to take you to the woodshed over okay. the libertarianism excerpt in here. Hold oh, on. What did we say about libertarianism? I'm going to read it for you. Okay. Um, relatedly, the term virtue signaling inspires some to talk vice signaling. Vice signaling supposedly involves boasting about what a bad person you are. Hardcore libertarians, for example, might vice signal <laughs> about how little they care about the plight of the poor. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, I see. And then, of course, you drop in Ayn Rand, because naturally. Uh-huh. Uh, so I just had to bring that up. Like, I, we're having fun here, but I was just, I just want to inform you, we don't get together at the libertarian meetings. We don't talk about how we hate poor. We don't li- want to line them sure. up. You know, these are libertarian solutions are about trying different things and, yeah. uh, and going against the systems. But I, sure, I sure. wanted to bring yeah. those. I don't those care about If any of my listeners Let's... read this book, they're going to see that and go, why didn't Brian bring this shit up to him? So, oh, anyway. well, don't be mad about that, people. Look, I mean, look, for, <laughs> I mean for, for however many like smart people there are in, in like whatever political movement, there are always like 17-year-olds who are, are just like figuring well, it out of course, yeah. and trying to be like the craziest they can be. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, so I don't know. Do, do you want so do you want to talk about vice signaling or do, do you want to? Well, let's talk about. Well, it's kind of interesting. I mean, let's talk about vice signaling because we haven't talked about that yet, and I do think it's an interesting concept. So why don't we talk a little yeah. bit about that? I mean, um, it's a bad it's a bad idea. I think so. I mean, look, so pe- so people like this um, like this terminology. I think because it's tempting. I think very often for for people to do like a kind of moralizing turn about concepts, mm-hmm. and they'll say like. Um, you know, that's not even freedom, like, because it's, it's a stupid thing to do or, or, or whatever, or I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's not, a, sorry, that's not a good example. I'm not going to try to come up with a, a nice example <laughs> at the top of my head, but the, the point is, this is, I mean, look, you can talk about virtue. So people talk about virtue signaling often then want to say, um, well, virtue signaling is only, it's only really that when it signals true virtue. Mm. So then you might, on the other hand, though, say like, well, it's not as if the people who are bad uh, don't signal themselves. They have their own signaling. And what they do is signal that they have these very bad values. Right. Yeah. So, so, I mean, you can see where this is going, right? It, yeah. It, it and, just well, end and, up. And yeah, it plays on to each other for, I mean, for sure, without a doubt. I mean, I would give an example of, of vice signaling. Uh, you know, again, it's all tongue in cheek, but, you know, we drink a lot on our show. We've got, you know, and we'll make we'll make passing references to, to uh, drug usage or drinking too much and falling sure. down and vomiting all this sort of, thing. you know, it's for fun, but you still make those, you, you, you do your little vice signaling to try to play it up and show you're bad. Well, so hang you're, on, hang you're on so, hip. so, so I, lo- I want to understand that, that kind of talk is, is like, you're, I mean, you're actually just talking about the values of, of the in-group. You're like, we're like people yep. who like to have fun. Right, and yeah, like drinking so. drugs kick ass. Like that's fun stuff. <laughs> uh, that you're you're not saying like this is you know this is immoral or, or whatever, and like we yeah. like that. Or I mean, you're talking about values that you approve of, right? So this so the, I mean, the reason we don't like this vice signaling talk is that uh, you know you then will will just end up with these disputes, and you know you'll you'll get you'll arrive at a place where like one man's virtue signaling to another man's vice signaling, and that's just mm. a really stupid 
Like, so do we really want to have like public arguments about whether something is virtue signaling or vice signaling? Like, I yeah. don't think so. Right. So, so this is why Brandon and I said, one of the reasons Brandon and I say grandstanding is, is a better term because it's neutral in, in this way. It's just what, you know, what you're doing is uh, showing the members of your group that you have their values, right? Yeah. Whether those are like the true moral values or not, doesn't matter. Right? So what we what we want to do is just understand the behavior uh, and grandstanding is, is uh, a more like fitting, like less value laden label for uh, the behavior. Anyway. Yeah. Well, let me ask, let me ask you this. So yeah. do you think, cause this is something that I'm always wondering, right? We're, we're seeing, I think more people like my wife, for example, deleted Facebook from her phone. Um, I would, if I didn't have like our, our kind of group that we're you know, involved with and, and I, for a while I was doing stand-up comedy. So I was running comedy shows on Facebook, but at this point in time, especially with everything going on, it just seems I log on, I see a bunch of grandstanding. I see a bunch of nonsense. I see a bunch of political posters, you know, stolen from the headlines, as you were talking about earlier, as these press releases that people are putting out. Every instinct in me says, just get rid of this shit. Just get, just clean house. You don't need, you're going to be happier as a person. Do you think that people are waking up to grandstanding? Like, is it less effective than it used to be? Are people are now, are, you know, are we subconsciously, even if we're not reading the field guide, are we wired where we're like, and, it, and maybe has it gone too far? Are we just saying bullshit, bullshit, grandstanding, bullshit? Uh, <laughs> no. Or is there some hope? Like, where do you think we're at uh, in, in researching this and just kind of what you've been seeing around? Yeah. Well, okay. So, I mean, there's good and bad news here, I, I think. So, the really bad news is that I think we're just hardwired to do this. So, yeah. we all think well of ourselves. I mean, about almost every trait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> those of us who are at least not clinically depressed uh, tend tend to think like we're we're above average. Well, on, well and like even on that, things. I apologize for interrupting your train of thought, but I didn't think sure. of this before. But it's honestly even grandstanding even kind of works for people that are just desperately seeking attention and validation. Even those that are cl yeah. clinically depressed, you still see plenty of those on sure. Facebook yeah, trumping it up. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Um, Sorry to yeah, get you so, off track there. Well, no, that's okay. So, I mean, but that's just one piece of the puzzle, right? And and not only are, are we self enhancers in this way, we're especially like bad about self enhancing about morality. So nobody likes to think like, yeah, I, I'm kind of a slightly below average person, <laughs> right? You, you don't hear people saying that. Um, um, not only this, we want other people to share this positive impression of us. So we, we engage in impression management. Um, so, you know, there are studies showing like if you have someone take like, uh, um, an, uh, an implicit association test, like checking them for implicit bias, mm. uh, about their attitudes about race. Uh, if you tell them like, you got a really low score and like, we're going to release this, you know, to the university, you know, the university community now people go nuts and they'll like do <laughs> like ridiculous, you know, they'll like put their, They'll do like fear factor stuff. Like putting their <laughs> the amount, hands the amount of money burn. Justin's made blackmailing people after doing these tests. That's where the real money yeah, in publishing is, everybody. I don't know how, <laughs> I know one of the guys who did that study. I, I keep meaning to ask him like how they got that passed in uh, an IRB. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> pretty obviously a horrible thing to do to someone. But, but um, funny. But, good good yeah, idea for Frank. Yeah, funny, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, look, yeah. So the point is, if you can't, by the way, if you're not surprised, I clearly have a very low moral sense of values. So, you know, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, your value is openness and, and yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, look, the point is that 
there's nothing new about us being like this. We care about what other people think of us. We will take steps to manage what they think of us. And we think really highly of, of ourselves generally. Um, so, I mean, look, we're just kind of built to grandstand. Um, now, are people sick of this? Like, I think most people now see, I mean, it's not anything new for people to see through this behavior either, but I, you know, when Brandon and I started talking about this stuff, we never had anyone say like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, but we did have people saying, especially philosophers, no one does that. No one, no one, no one ever does that. That's not, that's not a problem at all. Um, wow. We don't really have anyone saying that anymore. No. Yeah, absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and, and we've also done our own social science, Showing like people admit to being motivated to act, to act this way. Yeah. Um, well, so, I wonder in a way, I mean, you know, you talk about the threat to grandstanding to society and I want to let you talk a little bit about that, but I want to throw one other sure. thing at you to start the conversation off is, you know, like you're talking about people really build themselves up. They've got this, you know, their moral understanding of themselves, but then also they like to curate what other people see, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I was just reading, you know, in the, I think over the past 10 years, or maybe it was even less time, um, the suicide rate among kids, you know, sorry, bringing us down from our, our laughter here, Brenda, but, uh, but no suicide rate among kids, is like really gone up, you know, substantially. I think it's mm. down to something like 35 or, four, or maybe, maybe even higher. And I wonder if, you know, you've got people grandstanding, you've got curating, and then you've got people that are because everyone else is signaling their moral virtues so hard, right? Whether they actually believe it or not. Do you think that also is playing in, and I know you're not a psychologist or a philosopher, but you know, psychologically, I can't help thinking that all these things are coming together to really damage people and the way, especially young people that are coming up. You know, if you've got this curation, you've got everybody saying how good they are, aren't you eventually going to say, am I the only piece of shit in the room? You know, like everybody seems that they're, they're really on the ball. They've, they've got these great virtues. Am I the turd in the punch bowl? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so I'm not an expert in this area. I know a little bit about this. Um, so there's, uh, you know, there's work about like the rise of narcissism and uh, you know the relationship between social media use and depression. Um, I, I guess I think this is controversial among, among psychologists. Uh, there's some work um, showing that uh, you know people who are really active social media users are, are more likely to be depressed. Uh, and you know, one reason for that very well might be that they're looking at these idealized pictures of other people's lives and they're feeling like they can't, you know, they can't compete, they can't keep yeah. up with this. Um, and so, you know, if, if that's right, then you can see why um, this behavior would be really bad for, you know, uh, bad for you, bad for your self-esteem uh, because yeah. you think like, Oh man, all these other people are just so like morally good. Like, but you know, in my heart of hearts, I'm not sure if I'm, you know, uh, if I'm quite that good. So um, yeah, I mean, yeah. If that's true, then that that's really sad. Um, I mean, I, I definitely think there's there's got to be some truth to it. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, look for if, one of the things I always get asked for, for myself is what's one thing you know if we do an AMA like what's one thing in libertarianism you don't necessarily agree with or you're unsure about. For me personally, it's you know. Uh, air pollution, right? There's no, for me, there's no real good libertarian solution to air pollution. And I admit that openly. And, and, but there's always certain things where you go, okay, am I doing the right thing? Am I on the right track? Am I, am I confident in this? But at the same time, I will fully admit that I go, you know, I'll grandstand about libertarianism. I'll to, to commu- have to communicate the message, have to maintain my followers on Instagram and grow the podcast and all this other shit. And it, but what worries me a little bit is, you know, clearly 
my Facebook friends now probably ignore me or have me muted. But at the same time, there's things that I want to communicate that are important, that, that do align, that I believe in honestly and truly. And, you know, for example, um, when we talk about justice reform right now, like libertarians, especially when it comes to police reform, demilitarization, de-escalation, that kind of stuff. And talking about the, the real causes for the issues with a lot of black community, you know, breaking up of families and the drug war and that kind of stuff. I'll try to communicate to people, look, we really have been leading the way here. I'd love for you to take a look at what we're talking about and not just write it off. But because of everything else, they probably aren't going to listen anyway because they know that half the time I'm just rah rahing. So, I mean, how do we how do we operate? What is what is truth, philosopher, in this age of grandstanding, and how can we spot it now? Yeah. Okay, man. So so much stuff. Um, I lay I lay the heavy shit on you, man. This isn't you know. I'm yeah. grandstanding right now by telling you I'm laying the heavy shit on you, giving myself a little pat on the back. I, I, yeah, I'm making I mean, fun for you. You don't want to ask the same questions. <laughs> so one way of thinking about this, so thinking about just like the, um, in terms of some of the costs that, that we talk about in the book, um, one of, of the costs uh, is that the social currency of moral talk gets devalued uh, when grandstanding is, is more common. Uh, so, so one thing is um, people become more cynical uh, mm-hmm. about moral talk when they suspect that other people are using it this way. Uh, they think like, oh, well, I mean, I guess I, you know, maybe if if this guy weren't talking about this stuff all the time, uh, I would take this more seriously. Yeah. Um, but it just seems like, the, you know, he's every, every day is like a new, there's like a new person he wants to fight online or like a new issue or whatever. And it's like, I can't tell what he thinks is really important. So like, you know, what, what is, you know what is he as a, as a barometer of, of like what I should care about? Like he's really unreliable or, or like, you know, uh, it seems like he just wants attention. So like, why yeah. would I pay any, pay any attention to what, to what he says is, you know, a morally important issue. Uh, the other thing is, you know, going back to this idea of, of um, excessive emotional displays. So, I mean, take outrage, you know, so like two things can happen here. Uh, if, you know, if you're outraged all the time online, like, first of all, you can't really keep that up, right? So that just like becomes your baseline. Like your baseline is that you're not actually outraged because you can't, you just cannot be angry all the time. Like, I, and I know like some people will think like, no, I, I'm, you know, special. Like I really can be angry when it's called. You cannot, you cannot be angry. All, like not, thing really, not really angry all the time. Yeah. Um, now, like you might say, have developed like some kind of, I'm, you know, intellectually angry or something like that, but you're not like fuming and like, there's a difference between being, you know, just like think, you know, having the judgment, like the world is messed up and like, it's really bad. And like, I am so mad. I can't even think straight. And like, no. I have to do something about this. Right. So if, if what you're, you know, showing people all the time, is, I'm so mad. I, you know, I can't, uh, I can't think straight. I, we've got to do something about this. Like you're not, actually going to be motivated to do anything and then you know the flip side of that is neither will they on the basis of of what you said because they can't get angry with you all the time all all the time either um so in other words like you're all going to end up suffering from outrage exhaustion well that's Um, what it it seems like i mean you guys talk about politics in the book obviously and that's Mm. in the era of trump that seems like what we're dealing with you know predominantly is the outrage all the time. And, you know, it's from the left, it's, it's just constant 10 level 10, anything he does gets blown out of proportion and you can't, and it, and it really over, it overshoots some of the major issues you'd like to get 
you know, addressed. And then on the other side, again, what you're saying, people are tuning out. So when something big does happen, let's say he actually has a real scandal, then people are going to go, ah, all you do is yell at everything. You were, you were yeah. complaining about him, you know, redoing the Rose Garden. You know, it's like, when's right. the last time yeah. you fucking thought about the Rose Garden in your life? To have an opinion yeah. in your life, you know, it's like right. this kind of shit. Or, or, or he went golfing, like right. yeah, you know, as if everybody hasn't done like, that. Who oh, fucking yeah. cares, right? Exactly. Yeah. But, but the reaction to that shit is the same as like, oh, he, uh, he basically like lied about. Yeah, about he's, he's been drowning puppies in the Oval Office's like, bathroom. Of, so like, yeah. <laughs> so of course nobody is gonna fucking listen to you when when no. you're like, no, now this is really the thing. Like, yeah. of course not. You already blew it. Like you, you blew your big, like, yeah, you know, your you're all caps and all the time. Yeah. And that's where, I mean, it, in a way it's almost like the grandstanding concept has bled into media, you know, not just on the left, but on both sides where just the way in which, you know, I, so I do public relations for a living, right? That's my career. That's what pays the real bills. And I've seen the evolution of just headlines, you know, and, and just descriptive words, especially not so much in local papers, but you know, the AP, even in the way the AP writes headlines is all very much these, this language of outrage, this language of leading you in a certain way. And it's very inflammatory where it used to be more matter of fact. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like I've noticed this too. I mean, so yeah, the, the headline, I mean, it used to be really funny to read the onion. Um, <laughs> I feel like the onion is kind of less funny now because this, like the kind of, because you know the onion basically made its name like mocking the ap style you know right. having these like these very you know silly headlines or you know and, and like every once in a while they would have something just like snuck in and it's like a, a wink like you know mm. here's you know, <laughs> our values showing through and like now you see that in the ap and like the onion is just like not as as yeah. funny anymore for that reason no um, exactly yeah um i mean I, so you know, I, uh, I, I talked to Jesse Single, you, you might know, oh, yeah. uh, a, a month ago or something like that, um, about uh, about how, you know, basically how politics has uh, infiltrated various professions, mine and his. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, so you read these accounts of what goes on in like the New York Times newsroom about like people trying to get editors fired because they ran an yeah. op-ed that, you know, that some people By in the a senator like. It's like <laughs> with a valid point of view. Right. Yeah. yeah not then, that I agree with it, but yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, they'll, they'll run op-eds by dictators of, of countries. Like, right. Nobody, <laughs> yeah. Nobody says Why Cuba is still number one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, I don't want to get you in trouble, so um, I won't eh, go too, too deep into academia, but I mean, <laughs> it, you're t I guess you already had spoken with it a little bit. So, you know, what are you seeing there just as far as we don't have to get into specifics and we, and we can avoid politics if you want and, and race issues and all that. Because again, I don't want to get you fired in case. Uh, well, many you won't, yeah, you won't get me fired. I mean, look, here's here's what I see. Like, I don't have any problem with people writing about about current day moral issues. Like, I do that. I'm a, I'm a yeah. moral and political philosopher. What I worry about in academia is um, that the incentives now are so strong to come to like the the uh, socially acceptable conclusions yeah. um, that, I mean, philosophy used to be like fairly independent. Um, I mean, look, there's no such thing as like real neutrality in, in this way, but you know, you could actually write uh, an article um, 
you know, defending abortion restrictions and, and people would say, Oh, that's very interesting. And, you know, I mm-hmm. disagree with this and like, and, you know, there'd be people who are upset or whatever, but like you wouldn't get harassed and, right. uh, or at least I, I don't know, maybe you did, but I mean, now it's like, why even bother? Right. I mean, because well, yeah. the, 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 the difficulty put- curve for getting a paper like that accepted is at a journal now is, is just like, yeah, it's like, don't bother. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. And that's, I mean, it's, it's definitely going to have an impact. I was thinking along those same lines when it comes to research in virtually any field. I mean, there was an example I've used on the show a few times of, um, it's a Harvard professor and I'm blanking on his name. He was a black professor at Harvard and he did research into police shootings and he uh-huh. said it was no shocking results, but Roland Fryer. Yes. Thank you. Fryer. And I mean, demonized and, you know, just like people mm-hmm. went after him and they don't want to bother looking at the, the results. They, they want to undermine the research and, and, right. you know, in a broader sense, <clears throat> to your point, how much damage are we doing econ- or academically wherein people aren't going to explore any of these options? You know, it's going to be that very, very thin line of inquiry and, uh, and we're going to limit everything that we're doing as far as opening our minds to different options, to different results, and pretty much prescribing whether it's going to succeed or fail, prescribing one way of acting and just going full bore down, you know, train off the cliff. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my real worry is that departments that, you know, were appropriately thought of by the outside world as, as doing like serious scholarly research where the conclusion, you know, was, was actually just what whatever was justified by the study will start, you know, being seen as departments of conclusions, like so many yeah. humanities fields, uh, where, and, you know, by a department of conclusions, I, I mean, uh, a department where we have the conclusion, like it's fixed and the game is just about like how we get to the conclusion. So it's, yeah. I mean, so it would be like gender studies or, um, you know, regional studies or, or, or you know, colonial studies or whatever. It's like, yeah, the conclusion is that, like, Misogyny is everywhere. Um, yep. Colonial is bad, and to really destructive, and you know. And so it's just. Well, I mean, well, why? I mean, why would anyone bother reading your work? They know exactly what it's going to say. Yep. Right. I mean, and and not only like because it's your you know your your thing or whatever, but just because in principle you're not open to looking at <laughs> other at, you know evidence that, that would cause trouble for you. Like right. And and it's and you worry terrible. too that it's going to get thrown out. That you know if they have this conclusion, are they going to be unbiased or are they going to get right. rid of the evidence that might go against or <laughs> so the findings that counter it? I mean, what yeah. are your thoughts on? Uh, okay, we're, we're almost we're like we have ten more minutes before an hour, but we don't have yeah. to stop for an hour. Um, what are your thoughts about? There was that that group. Um, I think it was you know three, uh, two men and a woman that created these false papers, and they'd submit them to yeah. journals. That it was, I mean, it's pretty fascinating, you know, in, in gender studies and in all these kind of grudge grudge humanity studies. What are your thoughts on that? You know, are you a fan of that, or do you think it crosses uh, the line where it shouldn't I mean, really be messed with to, to that so extent? Like, yeah. So I mean, part of me thinks it's funny, and and like part of me, and you know, part of me thinks like. Um, you know, they deserve, like those fields deserve it because they're, they're not scholarly and they're not doing good work. And like, of course, but you know, on the other hand, it's like, I kind of felt like someone, you know, someone who's obsessed with this stuff because can, I'm sure like correct me or whatever about, about some of the specifics, but it just sort of seems like there wasn't a clear, like scientific goal in mind with, with Mm -hmm. some of this where it's, it's like, Okay, I mean, so, so you wrote something really stupid, 
and this field, you know, this journal, this field accepted, like they sent it to you know, two grad students to review and the grad students were like, well, okay. And, you know, mm-hmm. some people, you know, reported what they wrote in the referee reports and they're like, yeah, I mean, I didn't agree, but I, I wanted to encourage them or what. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of an enterprise that's founded on, on trust and it's not really clear what exactly the shows, but then on the other hand, I mean, it's like, there, there's like the nitty gritty of what they did. And then there's, there's like the general thing, which is like, everybody knows these fields are bullshit. Right. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess it was, I, in a way, right? for me, it then it's, like it's, they were trying to really showcase it because the papers they wrote were yeah. above and beyond ridiculous. But, but, you know, there's certain exercises, you know, there's this one uh, libertarian podcaster named Tom Woods who will send out excerpts from papers, real and fake, you know, pick the mm-hmm. real ones. But some of yeah. them are so insane and just so, you know, above and beyond that get published, that get you know, notoriety, and then are, you know, then they're used in different, you know, in whether it's teaching or different uh, references on public policy. You know, that's where I appreciate it is at least it does something to chip away at this veneer of we are impartial and this is what we found. And because yeah. when you do a public policy drawing on it, that becomes very terrifying. You know, we've got, yeah. lo- you know, not lockdowns, but when you've got laws being made. Yeah, um, I mean, well, tell me if okay. it's a tricky. Sorry, just to wrap really quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a tricky thing because it's. I mean, it's. It's like. I mean, the thing that I, I guess ultimately I think is like, why bother? Because I mean, everybody, everybody who, yeah. who like actually looks into this stuff knows it's bullshit. Um, so then, like, what do you gain by by? Um, I mean, I guess you show that it's easy. Or like, you know, yeah. anybody can just like make this shit up. Like, I guess that's yeah, bad. It's, I guess revving up the outrage machine, you yeah. know, even more. <laughs> but then, but then you can also just like look at papers that are published, and like those are bad enough, right? Yeah. Like that, that people like meant sincerely. So I, I yeah. don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess like in a way, it's good that there's any critical scrutiny at all. But I mean, yeah. I, f- I feel like uh, there are things that, things about how that particular thing that uh, was was done that. Uh, I think, well, I figured there would be. So I, had, I was arguing with a buddy of mine who was, uh, he's a doctor, but he was saying that he, did, he, had, he was uncomfortable with the way they went about it, even if the results do you know, show whatever. So I figured you might have an interesting take. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about, it's a good way to, to wrap up our interview here, is what's to be done? Uh, how can we fight this? Do you have a prescription, uh, you know, doctor of philosophy, uh, Justin Tosi? <laughs> what's the script? Yeah. Um, so what, what you might want to do, like, and I think it's an understandable reaction is, is you might want to like, look at what we say about grandstanding and like what these people do and, and try to like spot grandstanders in the wild and call them out, right. Embarrass them. Um, you know, so you're just grandstanding or whatever, but we think this is just not a good strategy. One thing, it's not going to work yeah. right? because then <laughs> it just gives them what people, they want. Right. <laughs> yeah. People will just argue that like you're grandstanding or, or like you just disagree with them or, or something like that. Um, or, or whatever. But I mean, more importantly, you're giving, you are, as you just said, giving the grandstander what they want. You're turning the talk, you know, the, the discussion into like whether they really believe, you know, the thing that they said and they, you know, just say, look, I'm quite sincere. I assure you, <laughs> I really am this good, believe it or not. Um, so this is just not productive. Um, and, you know, it makes things even worse. So what you should do instead, uh, we think is, is not do this yourself. So ask yourself when you're about to say something in moral discourse, Am I trying to do good or am I just trying to look good, right? Like, would I be disappointed if, if I found out nobody cared uh, about me because of, of what I said? And if you think you would be disappointed, then you should probably just not say it because you're going to 
you're going to grandstand if you do. Um, so basically, uh, we think people should see this as an occasion to like monitor their own behavior and, and, and sort of be the change that they want to see in the world. Um, that sort of thing. The other thing that you can do is just withhold attention from grandstanders. So just don't like their stuff. Don't engage with them. Just, Oh, it's that guy again doing his thing. Like who cares? Yeah. There's, there's um, nothing more painful than that. You know, I, we've yeah. all been there. They're putting out, you tweet something and nobody likes it. And it's like, Hmm. You just do yeah. the sad shuffle from like Arrested Development with the sad music that Michael Blue can do. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so the hope is that, you know, if enough people do that, this behavior will come to be seen as embarrassing and people will actually be embarrassed uh, when, when they, when they grant and they realize like, Oh uh, yeah. And people knew what I was doing. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, well, know, hopefully grandstanding is like, you know, you look back at your pictures of your old clothing styles in the 90s, yeah. you know, my skids, plaid overalls or whatever the fuck I was wearing. Um, yeah, hopefully people do look back at it as, wow, what a dark and idiotic time in my life um, <laughs> <laughs> to do this. But I mean, like we're talking about earlier, you know, do, what do you think? Do you think we're going to see a rebuke of this honestly in your heart of hearts? <laughs> I mean, so it's never going to go away completely again because, you know, I think we're just hardwired to do this. But I mean, look, uh, at at the end of the book, we have this story about um, about table manners. Right. So Mm -hmm. if you look at advice books from the Middle Ages or or etiquette books from from the Middle Ages, you'll see, you know, books being written for like grown people who are, you know, need to know how to like appear dignified and, yeah. and everything at, at court or, or, you know, among their, their social betters, like, how are you supposed to act? And the advice yeah. is stuff like, don't blow your nose in a tablecloth. Don't gnaw on a bone and put it back in the serving <laughs> dish. You know, stuff is just yeah. like completely insane that no one would do now. Like, like probably never had to, to even be told not to do at least some of these things. Um, so, I mean, what happened? Like the norms change. We just yeah. got different social norms. They propagated, you know, throughout society. And now people generally don't behave that way anymore. Yeah. There's no reason we can't see the same thing with people's behavior on social media and, and in public moral discourse, right? So, you know, as it's become really easy to grandstand, um, the norms just haven't caught up yet, right? So, yeah. so maybe they will, and then and then maybe it, it won't be so bad. I hope. I hope against hope. You're right. Or I mean, I guess what is Elon Musk working on something that connects our brains to the internet, right? So it might just be in the future. We'll all be able to read each other's thoughts. And if you're grandstanding, we'll know it in the, in a second. Yeah, anyway. I think, I think I'll hang my hopes on, on the norms, but maybe that's <laughs> all right. Well, it's each his own. <laughs> uh, do you have any final thoughts, anything, uh, you know, tell people where they can read you by, of course, grandstanding the, although I want to read the full title. The Use and Abuse of Moral Talk by Justin Tosi and Brandon Warmke is available from Oxford University Press uh, mm-hmm. anywhere. Books are sold. But anything else you want to talk about? Any other projects, uh, social media feeds people could come and yell at you on? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Brandon and I are both on Twitter. Uh, Brandon runs uh, an account for the book, too. Oh, good. So if you want to follow any of us or the, or the book, you'll get updates about our research. We've got ongoing social science. Uh, on on this uh, topic, so you know everything we've done so far is more or less confirmed. You know uh, our our suspicions. Um, Excellent. So excited to see. Oh, always a good thing. Keep finding out that we're right. Um, <laughs> so follow us if if you want updates on on that stuff. And what's that? And what's that address at uh, for Twitter? Uh, so um, my handle is Justin Tosi. So it's just my name all run together. Uh, Brandon's is Brandon Warmke. I think. 
Uh, if not, <laughs> how, how hard can it be defined? And that's the, got, that's the, not a common name. Yeah. Uh, the book is, uh, is Grandstand Book. Grandstand book. All right, there you go. Um, yeah, well, and all those all those uh, links will be in the show notes. You can find those at lionsofliberty.com forward slash episodes slash ELL198. So I'll put that all there and, uh, and a link to buy the book. Um, yeah, what, it's great stuff. What's what's next? What do you got on the uh, what do you got on the mind? You got another follow up project plan? Yeah. So in, in addition to that social science stuff, Brandon and I are doing some stuff about, about free speech. Um, we, uh, we, we actually have a paper uh, forthcoming about grandstanding and, and free expressions. We think grandstanding interferes with free expression. Uh, and we're also writing a, another book uh, called Why It's Okay to Mind Your Own Business. Uh, so it's <laughs> kind of argument against the, the convinced, uh, uh, commencement speech view of morality that like a morally good life involves, you know, just service and going out there and making the biggest difference you can, or, mm-hmm. or at least donating as much money as you can to, you know, um, to, to solve all the world's problems. And, you know, in, in, in response, we said, that's, that's fine. Like some of that stuff's really great. That's fine. Um, but you know, there are like less sexy, uh, things in, involved in, in living a good life. You know, you can have a, a really morally really good life by just taking care of your family, doing your job, uh, helping your neighbors, helping your local community, that sort of thing. Um, So basically you're telling me you found your niche of your, your real audience that's going to buy a book and it's libertarians and our philosophy of don't, I guess, yeah, libertarians and Christians. (laughs) I don't know why. I mean, I'm, there's a lot of overlap. Not for me. I am a, you know, agnostic at best, I would say, but uh, I know there's a lot of overlap there. Yeah, I mean, neither Brandon nor I are, are libertarians, and Brandon is a Christian, but I, I am not. So I don't know <laughs> what the deal is, but I mean, hey, we'll take it. We're, we're glad to have anybody care about our stuff. <laughs> and on that, on that uplifting note, all right, Justin, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, it sounds like you're going to be writing about stuff that I would like to hear more about. So I hope you'll come back and join me another time. Yeah, awesome, sounds man. great, man. Fantastic. Well, again, That'll wrap up this episode of Electric Liberty Land, everybody. So from me, Brian McWilliams, not necessarily from Justin Tosi, but I'll wrap him into this. From me, from the Alliance of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into liberty.